Welcome to Nations of the World podcast series, where we explore a different nation of the world in each episode. Our aim is to bring you, the listener, on an audio journey to discover interesting facts that make each country unique. Welcome to Afghanistan. Afghanistan, a nation of internal and external conflicts, is still trying to carve out its identity. The capital city of Kabul is one of the oldest and fastest-growing cities in the world. There is one remaining Jewish person living in the nation. Listen to learn more about what this country is famous for. Segment 1. Bare Bones Location Afghanistan is in South Central Asia. Official name Islamic Republic of Afghanistan Nationality Afghans Capital Kabul Land size It is over 652,230 square kilometers or 251,830 square miles. For comparison, the United States is about 15 times bigger than Afghanistan. It's also slightly smaller than the state of Texas. Population Because people have been displaced due to drought, starvation, and warfare, it's been difficult to obtain exact numbers. In 2020, the estimate was 32,741,000. Official Languages Dari and Pashto. Official religion, Islam. Monetary unit, Afghani. Flag. Three vertical equal-sized bands of black, red, and green, with the national emblem in white, centered on the red band, and then slightly overlapping in the black and green bands. The black color represents the dark ages of the past. Red for the bloodshed in the struggle for independence, and green for the hope and prosperity for the future. The national emblem, or coat of arms, in the center has a mosque with a prayer niche and altar in the middle, with a flag extending on either side of the mosque. The mosque is encircled with a wreath of wheat, starting out slightly wider on the bottom and decreasing in width slightly as it curves upward. Below the mosque are Eastern Arabic numerals for the solar year 1298, or 1919 in the Gregorian calendar, the year of Afghan independence from the UK. Muslim values are emphasized in its Arabic inscriptions translated as Islamic State of Afghanistan, God is Great, and There is no deity but God, Muhammad is the Messenger of God. Form of Government Before the August 2021 Taliban takeover, Afghanistan was a unitary presidential Islamic republic with three branches, executive, legislative, and judicial. Segment 2, Heart of the Nation Geography and Location Afghanistan is a landlocked nation and lies in the heart of South Central Asia. It borders six countries, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan and Tajikistan to the north, China to the northeast, Pakistan to the east and south, and Iran to the west. It is situated along important trade routes, 
connecting southern and eastern Asia to Europe and the Middle East. The country was part of the Silk Road, a trade route over land that merchants traveled over between China, India, the Far East, and Europe for over 2,000 years. It is an arid to semi-arid climate, with very cold winters and hot and dry summers. The average temperature in January is below minus 15 degrees Celsius, or 5 degrees Fahrenheit, and in July the average temperature is over 35 degrees Celsius, or 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Most of the country is steep-sloped mountains with jagged mountain peaks which extend out from the Hindu Kush Range, the western extension of the Himalayas, which is a height of more than 24,000 feet, or 7,315 meters, near the center of the country. These mountain peaks are treacherous and covered in snow for most of the year. Within these mountain ranges lie many fertile valleys and plains. This is where many live and grow their crops and tend to their animals. The Badakhshan area in the northeastern part of the Central Highlands is the location of the epicenters for many of the 50 or so earthquakes that occur in the country each year. In the south, especially in the southwest, there are vast stretches of desert. To the north are the highlands, and in the northwest corner of the country is the rich valley of Herat, on the Hari Rud or the Arias River. The highest point in the country is in the Hindu Kush mountain range at 7,492 meters, or 24,580 feet. The lowest point is Amu Darya, also called the Amo River. This is north of the Hindu Kush. Afghanistan has few lakes of any considerable size. The two most important are the Sabiri, a salt flat in the southwest, and the saline lake Abe Estadia Mukur in the southeast. In the Baba Mountains, there are five small lakes known as the Amir Lakes. These have unusual shades of color due to the underlying bedrock and range from milky white to dark green. The longest river, the Helmand, flows from the Hindu Kush to the Iranian border and is used for irrigation. The Kabul River leads to the Khyber Pass and south to Pakistan. There are many rivers flowing through the mountain gorges, but only the rivers in the east, which flow into the Indian River in Pakistan, empty into the ocean. Much of the water Afghanistan receives comes from heavy snow during the winter in the Hindu Kush and Pamir Mountains. The melting snow in the spring enters the rivers, lakes, and streams. However, two-thirds of the country's water flows into the neighboring countries of Iran, Pakistan, and Turkmenistan. Large investments are needed to rehabilitate its irrigation systems so that the water is properly managed. The northern Hindu Kush mountain range is in a geologically active area where earthquakes may occur almost every year. These at times are deadly and destructive, causing landslides in some areas or during the winter avalanches. In 1998, an earthquake killed about 6,000 people in Badakhshan, near Tajikistan. Other environmental issues are the limited natural freshwater resources, inadequate supplies of potable water, soil degradation, overgrazing, deforestation, 
with people cutting down trees for fuel and building materials, and air and water pollution in the overcrowded urban areas. The country is party to several international environmental agreements. Some are biodiversity, climate change, endangered species, nuclear test ban, environmental modification, and ozone layer protection. Vegetation. The high mountains contain predominantly pine and fir trees, and the lower elevations have an abundance of cedar. There is also oak, walnut, alder, ash, and juniper trees. Wildlife. There are several species of wild cats, including snow leopards, lynx, and cheetahs. The snow leopards are endangered and living in the cold Hindu Kush mountain range in the northeast. Hunters sell their skins in the markets in Kabul. Tigers used to roam freely in the hills of Afghanistan, but now they are extinct. Wild goats, including the markhor, prized for its long, twisted horns, and the ibex with long, backward-curving horns, are plenty. Wild sheep can be found, including the Marco Polo sheep, which are distinguishable by their large size and spiraling horns. Other large animals are the Macacus mulata, or rhesus monkeys, foxes, striped hyenas, jackals, gazelles, wild dogs, wild pigs, deer, wolves, and brown bear. The wolves and brown bears have been hunted to near extinction. Smaller animals include mongooses, moles, shrews, hedgehogs, gophers, marmots, bats, and several species of kangaroo rats, or jerboas. Birds of prey include vultures and eagles. There are many pheasants, quail, cranes, pelicans, snipe, partridge, and crows. There are numerous migratory birds during the spring and fall seasons. Despite its relatively arid climate, there is an estimate of 460 bird species, of which 235 breed within. There are many varieties of freshwater fish in the rivers, streams, and lakes, but not in great number. The exception is on the northern slopes of the Hindu Kush, where the rivers are well stocked with brown trout. Endemic fauna includes Afghan red flying squirrel, Afghan snowfinch, Afghanodon or the Pagman mountain salamander, and the Afghan leopard gecko, to name a few. People People often confuse the two terms Afghan and Afghani. A person is an Afghan and the currency is Afghani. Its people have fiercely resisted coups and invasions and continue to do so, but it has failed to be united as a nation. Instead, it encompasses contending ethnic factions and ever-shifting alliances. Afghanistan is comprised of several ethnic groups. In the northeast around Herat live the Tajiks. In the north are the Uzbeks, and along the Turkmenistan border live nomadic Turkmen. There are the Hazaras, believed to be of Mongolian origin, in the central mountains. In the eastern and south-central portions live Afghans, or Pashtuns, who make up the country's largest ethnic group and account for nearly half of the population. Baluchis live in the extreme south. The mode of living for an Afghan can be described as tribal. They are identified by their qam, a term relating to a social group. 
It is normal for tribe groups to be able to trace their lineage to a common male ancestor. Heritage is established to make claim to inheritances, mutual obligations, and a feeling of solidarity. The three main languages are Dari, Afghan-Persian, Pashto, Afghan, and various Turkic tongues, mainly Uzbek and Turkmen. A unifying factor is religion, almost all the inhabitants being Muslim. The large majority are Sunni, and minority, numbering over 2 million and mainly Hazaras, are Shiite. In addition to the capital Kabul, two important cities are Kandahar and Herat. Urban women continue to wear the shadri, or full-body covering. Men traditionally wear loose, baggy pants with a long overshirt and heavy vest. There are 72,185 Pakistani refugees. There are 3.547 million, mostly Pashtun and Kuchis, displaced in the South and West due to natural disasters and political instability. Religion It is estimated that about 84.7% of the population is Sunni Islam and about 15% is Shia Islam, leaving 0.3% to other religions. Sunnis and Shiites both recognize the authority of the Quran and respect the five pillars of Islam. There were multiple religions in the country preceding the Islamic conquest of Afghanistan. Religious persecution, discrimination, and forced conversion to Islam had caused most of the Hindu, Buddhist, and Sikh population to flee from the country. According to the U.S. State Department, Afghan Christians practice their faith secretly due to intense societal opposition, and there are no public churches. It is customary that on Fridays at noon, people gather in the mosque. Pilgrimages can provide women with some freedom to get out of the home in groups to chat and socialize. There are two main religious festivals. The Eid al-Adha, the great feast or feast of the victim, commemorates the sacrifice by Abraham to Allah, celebrated at the end of the annual period of pilgrimage to Mecca. The Eid al-Fitr, the small feast or feast of the Ramazan, marks the end of the fasting month of Ramadan. For both festivals, friends and families visit each other and gifts are exchanged. The dead are buried rapidly, usually with simple heaps of stones without a name. For three days, people visit the house of the closest relative of the deceased and offer condolences. At 40 days, relatives and close friends visit the grave and pray. Then after one year, a ceremony takes place and the mourning period is over. Many people believe that if a funeral isn't carried out properly, the ghosts of the dead will return to torment the living. History With the decline of the Persian and Indian empires, the Pashtun tribes shaped the modern nation during the 18th century. During the 19th century, the colonial powers did not prevail and Afghanistan served as a buffer state between Russia and British India. It was at the end of the 19th century when the modern boundaries were established. In 1919, Afghanistan became independent after fighting three wars with Britain. They were not directly ruled by Britain, but their foreign affairs were influenced by the United Kingdom. 
Afghanistan remained neutral in World War I. The first half of the 20th century was marked by feuds, coup d'etats, assassinations, tribal revolts, and civil war. During World War II, Afghanistan remained neutral and did not participate, nor did it align itself with either power base in the following Cold War. Yet, it did benefit from the Cold War because both the Soviet Union and the United States competed for influence over the area by building Afghanistan's main highways, airports, and other vital infrastructure in the post-war period. Afghanistan received more aid for development from the Soviet Union than from any other country. Therefore, Afghanistan had good relations with both Cold War enemies. Civil war broke out in 1979, waged by guerrilla Mujahideen against regime forces countrywide. It quickly turned into a proxy war with the Soviet Union on one side and Pakistan and the United States on the other side. The People's Democratic Party was aided by the Soviet Union, which sent thousands of military advisors to support the Communist Party there. The rebels were supplied covert training centers by the Pakistani government, while the United States supported them through Pakistan's inter-services intelligence. In September of 1979, the Soviet army invaded and set up a communist government. Opposition to this intensified, with various Mujahideen groups fighting Soviet forces. This was the start of the Soviet-Afghan War. The Mujahideen were given money and weapons by Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, China, Iran, and the United States. In 1986, the United States began supplying Mujahideen with Stinger missiles, enabling them to shoot down Soviet helicopter gunships. In 1988, a peace treaty was signed, and Soviet Union troops began pulling out. Yet, civil war continued in the country while Mujahideen pushed to overthrow Najibullah, the former Soviet-backed government. In 1992, Najibullah's government was toppled, but a devastating civil war followed. In 1994, a militia of Pashtun Islamic fundamentalist students, the Taliban, emerged as an increasingly powerful force. In 1996, Taliban seized control of Kabul and introduced a hardline version of Islam, banning women from work and introducing Islamic punishments, which included stoning to death and amputations. During their rule, the Taliban and their allies inflicted great atrocities on the people of Afghanistan, including massacres, denying food offered by the UN to starving citizens, destroying thousands of homes, and burning large areas of fertile land. In 1997, the Taliban were recognized as legitimate rulers by Pakistan and Saudi Arabia. In the couple of years to follow, the United States initiated missile strikes aimed at suspected bases of the militant Osama bin Laden, accused of bombing the U.S. embassies in Africa. In addition to this, the U.N. imposed an air embargo and financial sanctions to force Afghanistan to hand over Osama bin Laden for trial. By 2000, the Taliban controlled some 90% of the country, but their government was not generally recognized by the international community. In early 2001, 
the Taliban militia destroyed all statues in the nation, including two ancient giant Buddhas in Bamiyan, outside Kabul. The destruction was ordered by religious leaders who regarded the figures as idolatrous and un-Islamic. These acts were denounced internationally, even from other Islamic nations. This same year, Masood, the leader of the main opposition to the Taliban, was assassinated. Following the September 11th attacks on the United States, Afghanistan was attacked by U.S.-led bombing under the direction of President George W. Bush when the Taliban refused to hand over Osama bin Laden, the prime suspect of the September 11th attacks. Al-Qaeda training camps were bombed by the U.S. and U.K. forces during the initial invasion. The Northern Alliance aided the coalition, and the Taliban regime came to an end. At the end of 2001, several anti-Taliban groups met in Bonn, Germany, and with the help of the international community, agreed to a transitional administration, which would begin the establishment of a new constitution and a democratically elected government. Hamad Karzai was elected as interim head of state. In 2004, Karzai became the first democratically elected president in Afghanistan. To assist the Karzai administration in 2001 and provide basic security, the International Security Assistance Force, ISAF, a NATO-led mission in Afghanistan, was established by the United Nations. It was to assist in rebuilding government institutions and train the Afghan forces. After 20 years of war, compounded by acute famine, the infant and child mortality rates in Afghanistan were both the highest in the world. It also had the lowest life expectancy. In addition to this, much of the infrastructure was in ruins. At this time, many foreign donors started providing aid and assistance to rebuild the war-torn country. While coalition troops were entering the country to help the rebuilding process, Taliban forces were regrouping in Pakistan, coordinating efforts to regain control of Afghanistan. There were many offensives led against the Taliban by Afghan troops and ISAF, but they were unable to completely defeat them. Many factors contributed to Afghanistan's economically poor state. Government corruption played a part, as did the Taliban insurgency. There was also a lack of foreign investment by other countries. From 2002 through 2009, Clashes continued between various groups aimed at keeping the country secure against militants. The United States got more involved, sending in more troops. A WPO, or World Public Opinion poll, from 2005 states that 83% of those polled say they had a favorable view of the U.S. military forces in their country. In 2007, NATO forces launched an offensive against the Taliban and al-Qaeda. Tensions rose between Pakistan and Afghanistan when Pakistan constructed a fence along the border of Afghanistan. This led to several border clashes and protests. Afghanistan does not officially recognize the modern Pakistan-Afghanistan border. In May of 2007, NATO forces killed the top Taliban field commander, Mullah Dadullah, 
but along with these strikes were Afghan civilian casualties. This became a source of anger and concern among Afghans. Most Afghan refugees abroad had repatriated since the overthrow of the Taliban, but an estimate of about 2.1 million Afghan refugees were still in Pakistan and Iran at the beginning of 2007. In 2009, the U.S. made efforts to train Afghan soldiers and police. Attacks by the Taliban continued. On May 2nd of 2011, U.S. President Barack Obama announced the death of Osama bin Laden in Pakistan following a raid by U.S. Special Forces. In 2014, the two rivals for the Afghan presidency signed a power-sharing agreement until finally Ashraf Ghani was sworn in as president. This marks the first time in Afghanistan's history where power was democratically transferred. In 2015, a NATO-led mission began, with some 12,000 personnel to provide further training and support for Afghan security forces. A new group emerged, Islamic State, ICE, in eastern Afghanistan, and within a few months captured a large swath of Taliban-controlled areas in Nangahar province. According to the United Nations, in 2016, over one million Afghans were on the go during the year. They were either forced to repatriate by the European Union, Pakistan, and Iran, or they were displaced internally due to the war. The Islamic State, after gaining some ground, were finally cornered into a few parts of Nangahar due to heavy U.S. airstrikes. In 2017, there was an increase in the activity of the ICE group, especially in the northern and southern provinces. In July 2018, the U.S. entered official negotiations with the Taliban and did not involve NATO partners or the elected Afghan government. In 2019, protracted peace talks between the Taliban and the U.S. broke down. In 2020, serious negotiations between all the parties of the Afghan conflict looked promising. There was a call for broad representation in peace talks by human rights groups. This would include women and constitutional guarantees on women's rights and freedom of expression. On February 29th of 2020, the Doha Agreement for Bringing Peace to Afghanistan was signed by the United States and the Taliban. Part of the agreement was that the U.S. and their allies would have the assurance that the Taliban would prevent anyone from threatening them on Afghan soil. It would also prevent anyone from entering negotiations with other Afghan sides. This was meant to forge an Afghanistan that would also be at peace with itself. In return, the U.S. promised to withdraw by May 1, 2021, all foreign troops who supported Afghan's National Army and Security Forces. The Taliban projected itself as the winner of its war against mighty NATO as foreign troops agreed to withdraw. With this agreement, because of the Taliban's insurgents on the major cities around the country, the fear for many was that the Taliban would push for a complete military victory if the U.S. troops were removed. In the beginning of 2021, the Taliban had been taking outposts and military bases using small-armed drones. They began moving closer and closer to key cities. They seized important highways, making access in and out of Kabul very difficult. 
Since the removal of American troops from Afghanistan, there had been a continual advancement of Taliban troops, now targeting major cities. Afghanistan's ambassador to the UN, Ghulam Isakzai, stated that more than 10,000 foreign fighters were in the country, representing 20 groups including Al-Qaeda and ISIL. There was a general sense of dread in the population as the people waited apprehensively for what was to come. On April 14, 2021, U.S. President Joe Biden told Americans their country's longest war would end and U.S. and NATO troops would withdraw on September 11, 2021, on the 20th anniversary of the attacks on New York City and Washington, D.C. On July 2, 2021, U.S. troops left Bagram Air Base and handed the base over to the Afghan government. In August 2021, the Taliban offensive took over provincial districts and capitals as the Kabul government troops crumbled, and the U.S. and NATO continued their pullout. Reports showed that there were more than 1,000 casualties in the three provincial capitals of Kandahar, Herat, and Lakshagar alone. Along with this, homes, hospitals, bridges, and other infrastructure were destroyed. On August 12, 2021, the U.S. readied 3,000 infantry troops to be sent to Kabul in addition to the 650 already there to help evacuate U.S. personnel from the embassy and some special visa applicants of Afghan citizens. Senior foreign correspondent Ian Panel said that there were reports the Taliban were committing war crimes as they swept into territories. He said the U.S. as well as NATO gave the signal to the Taliban that they had the green light to enter and overtake these cities with no meaningful resistance if they didn't attack the U.S. or NATO forces. He added that the Afghans' dreams were pretty much dead after all the promises the U.S. made to build the nation along with them, and they were now basically deserted. On August 14, 2021, the number of troops deployed went up from what was reported on earlier in the week. U.S. President Joe Biden said he authorized the deployment of approximately 5,000 U.S. troops to make sure there would be an orderly and safe drawdown of U.S. personnel and other Allied personnel. The Pentagon estimated it would need to evacuate about 30,000 people before it completed its withdrawal from Afghanistan by August 31st. On August 16th of 2021, the Taliban declared that the war in Afghanistan was over after its fighters swept into the capital, Kabul, and President Ashraf Ghani fled the country. The scene there in Kabul was Taliban fighters patrolling the streets as thousands of Afghans mobbed the city's airport, trying to flee the perceived terror about to come. In September of 2021, the Taliban announced the placement of an interim government yet it was not recognized internationally. In December 2021, the Taliban leaders are appealing for international aid to help stave off further migration of Afghans from the country. The concern is that millions could face hunger over the winter. With the Afghans' economy about to collapse, millions are out of work, and the banking system is nearly at a halt. Foreign aid was abruptly halted when the Taliban overthrew the seated government in August. Current Political and Humanitarian Issues 
there is severe localized food insecurity in the country. This is due to civil conflict, population displacement, and economic slowdown. The food security situation worsened in recent months due to the impact of COVID-19, as informal labor opportunities and remittances declined. Between November 2020 and March 2021, about 13.15 million people were estimated to be in severe acute food insecurity and to require urgent humanitarian assistance, including 8.52 million people in crisis and 4.3 million people in emergency. The food security of the vulnerable populations, including IDPs, or internally displaced persons, and the urban poor, is likely to deteriorate as curfews and restrictions on movements to contain the COVID-19 outbreak limit the employment opportunities for casual laborers. According to Global Rights, almost 90% of women in Afghanistan have experienced physical abuse, sexual abuse, psychological abuse, or forced marriage. Most often, perpetrators of these crimes are the families of the victim. Afghanistan recorded 240 cases of honor killing in 2012, but the number is believed to be much higher. The report stated that about 21% were committed by the victim's husbands, 7% by the brothers, 4% by their fathers, and the rest by other relatives. Honor killing is the murder of a member of a family due to the perpetrator's belief that the victim has brought shame or dishonor upon the family, or has violated the principles of a community or a religion with an honor culture. Typical reasons include divorcing or separating from their spouse, refusing to enter an arranged child or forced marriage, being in a relationship or having associations with social groups outside the family, that is strongly disapproved by one's family, having premarital or extramarital sex, becoming the victim of rape or sexual assault, clothing, jewelry, and accessories which are deemed inappropriate, and engaging in non-heterosexual relations. These cases seldom are prosecuted because of strong family pressure and there are very few services available for those seeking to escape violence. In 2020, Human rights organizations called for a total ban on the so-called virginity tests. These abusive procedures are considered part of criminal proceedings in Afghanistan and have no scientific validity. Homosexuality is unacceptable in Afghan society, punished by up to a year in prison, and in some cases the offender can be put to death. Yet, there exists an ancient tradition involving male homosexual acts between boys and older men called bazi. Typically, wealthy men or those having some authority abduct boys and use them as sex slaves. Many are made to dress as females and wear makeup. Once they turn 19, they are usually released. This act is illegal under the penal code and offenders can be imprisoned. Afghanistan has the largest refugee population in the world. This is due to continual warfare since the time of the Soviet invasion in 1979 and subsequent civil wars and the American invasion. Afghanistan has a Tier 3 rating in human trafficking. Human traffickers exploit domestic and foreign victims 
and returning Afghan migrants, and exploit Afghan victims abroad. Internal trafficking is more prevalent than transnational trafficking. Victims are subjected to forced labor in agriculture, brick kilns, carpet weaving, domestic servitude, commercial sex, begging, poppy cultivation and harvesting, salt mining, transnational drug smuggling, and truck driving. The Taliban continue to unlawfully recruit and use child soldiers. Sexual exploitation of boys remains pervasive nationwide, and traffickers subject some boys to sexual exploitation abroad. The country is the world's largest producer of illicit opiates. It also produces methamphetamine and cannabis products. It has one of the highest domestic substance abuse rates in the world. Government Since the takeover of Afghanistan by Taliban forces on August 15, 2021, the Taliban officials in de facto have re-established the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. However, this government has not been formally recognized internationally, and the representatives appointed by the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan, those removed by the Taliban, continue to represent the country at the United Nations. A prime minister was put in place by the Taliban-led forces. Because there is no formal organization or recognition of the Taliban-instituted government, the following section will describe the government in place prior to the takeover. Under the Constitution of 2004, the country is headed by a president, who is both head of state and head of government. The president is directly elected. As of now, the position is vacant. President Ashraf Ghani departed the country on August 15, 2021. On September 7, 2021, Mullah Mohammed Hassad Akhund was announced as the head of an interim government. There are two vice presidents elected on the same ticket as the president. They are nominated by the presidential candidate before the election. The term of office is five years, eligible for a second term. The president is assisted by a cabinet of 25 members who are appointed by the president and must be approved by the National Assembly. The legislative is made up of two houses, House of Elders and House of the People. The Meshrano Jirga, or House of Elders, consists of 102 members, one-third elected by provincial councils to four-year terms, one-third elected by district councils to three-year terms, and the rest, where 17 must be women and two must be the disabled and two must be Kuchi nomads, are appointed by the president to five-year terms. Walesi Jirga is the house of the people of the assembly, consists of 250 members, including 68 seats for women, directly elected to five-year terms. No law passed by the Assembly may be contrary to Islam. Administratively, the country is divided into 34 provinces. The judicial branch has the highest court, Supreme Court, and subordinate courts. On the Supreme Court, there is one Supreme Court chief and eight justices, who are appointed by the President and approved of by the House of the People. These serve single 10-year terms. The former king, Muhammad Zaire Shah, is seen as the father of the country, but he has no authority. 
Universal suffrage is at 18 years of age. As of late 2021, the Taliban had established a Ministry of Defense and named commanders and deputy commanders for eight regional corps. The former Afghans' military's inventory was mostly a mix of Soviet-era and more modern U.S. and Russian equipment. During the fighting with the Afghan government, the Taliban's military operations and strategy were directed by a leadership council, Rabari Shura, led by Haibatullah Akhundzada. Taliban forces were a decentralized guerrilla and militia force of approximately 60 to 80,000 full-time fighters, loosely organized as battalions and brigades with at least one corps of headquarters. As of October 2021, the Taliban was still forming an official military structure, although it reportedly had named commanders for eight regional corps and established a special forces unit. Economy Prior to the Taliban takeover in 2021, 80% of the Afghan government's budget was funded by the United States and other Western donors. 40% of its GDP came from international aid. Roughly half of the country lived below the poverty line. The traditional economy combines cultivation and animal husbandry. Agriculture is the main source, although less than 10% of the land is cultivated. Much of the arable land was damaged by warfare during the 1980s and 90s. Crops include wheat, which is the principal crop, followed by rice, barley, and corn. The main cash crops are fruits, notably pomegranates, grapes, apricots, melons, and almonds. Cotton was a major export until the Civil War. Large zones of agricultural land have been converted to grow opium poppy which is mainly for the international illegal drug trade of heroin. It is the most important cash crop, and the country is the world's largest producer of opium. As much as 16% or more of the nation's economy is derived from the cultivation and sale of opium. It is also one of the world's top producers of cannabis. Saffron, the most expensive of spices, is gaining momentum in production. Authorities and farmers are trying to replace the poppy cultivation with saffron. Between 2012 and 2019, the saffron cultivated and produced in Afghanistan was consecutively ranked the world's best by the International Taste and Quality Institute. Production hit record high in 2019, and one kilogram is sold domestically between $634 and $1,174. Animal husbandry is practiced by both nomadic and sedentary people. Nomads spend the summer in the highlands and winter in the lowlands. Many of them are also traders. The fat-tailed sheep are part of the diet for Afghans. They supply skins and wool for clothing and carpet weaving. Other livestock includes cattle, goats, donkeys, camels, horses, and poultry. Woodlands in the east provide timber for the building industry and some wild nuts for export. Some trees, such as oaks, are used for fuel. Pistachio trees, found north of Hindu Kush, are used for export. Much of the country's timber has been harvested for fuel, so deforestation has become a major problem. The country is also rich in natural gas, 
Until the 1990s, pipelines delivered natural gas to Uzbekistan and Tajikistan, and to a thermal power plant and chemical fertilizer plant. Petroleum deposits have proved to be insignificant. Many coal deposits have been found in the north. However, fuel shortages are quite common with Afghanistan's energy resources remaining untapped. Mineral wealth is virtually undeveloped, except for natural gas. There are deposits of coal, copper, gold, lithium, chromite, talc, barites, sulfur, lead, zinc, iron ore, salt, emeralds, and lapis lazuli. Still, these are mostly undeveloped. There are oil fields in the north. Some small-scale manufacturers produce cotton and other fabrics, such as wool, rayon, and acetate fibers, hand-woven carpets, bricks, soap, furniture, shoes, fertilizer, cement, and processed agricultural goods, including sugar and vegetable oil. The city of Kabul was a major trade hub, but this trade disappeared with the incoming fighting in the 20th century. Road connections throughout the country are poor, although existing roads had undergone reconstruction after the end of the first Taliban rule. Pack animals are still used to transport goods in the interior. A road and tunnel under the Salong Pass, built in 1964 by the Russians, provides a short, all-weather route between North and South Afghanistan. The 2021 Taliban regime has opened commercial routes between Pakistan and Turkmenistan, but no official trade can develop until the government is recognized by the international community. The unemployment rate is 13% in 2021. Exports amount to $1.48 billion in U.S. dollar value. The main exports are gold, grapes, opium, fruits and nuts, insect resins, cotton, hand-woven carpets, soapstone, and scrap metal. Top export partners include United Arab Emirates, Pakistan, India, and China. Imports. These amount to $6.98 billion in U.S. dollar value. The main imports are wheat or meslin flour, broadcasting equipment, petroleum oils, rolled tobacco, aircraft parts, and synthetic fabrics. Top import partners are United Arab Emirates, Pakistan, India, China, USA, Uzbekistan, and Kazakhstan. The country imports tax-free goods through Pakistan, including cars, air conditioners, refrigerators, televisions, radios, and stereo equipment. These consumer products are then smuggled to neighboring countries. Afghanistan now must import much of its foodstuff from Pakistan, since traditional agriculture and food production has been heavily replaced with growing poppy for illegal drug profits. Urbanism and Architecture There are several historical cities, such as Balkh, Ghazni, and Herat, but with the ongoing 20 years of war, preservation of historical monuments is not a priority. The Kabul Museum was looted repeatedly. The covered bazaar of Tashkurgan in the north has been destroyed. The Buddha statues of Bamyan have also been damaged. Most cities and towns are in ruins, and there is little reconstruction occurring. Most of the houses are made of mud, 
Some also use timber with the mud. The house is usually surrounded by high walls, also made of mud. They don't typically have proper plumbing or sewer systems. The roof is flat and made of straw and clay. This space can be used for other activities, such as a space for drying fruits and vegetables, and a place for the men to sleep in the summertime. The kitchen is mostly a place to store kitchenware, and the cooking is done outside in the courtyard in a clay oven called a tandoor. There is a separation between the public and private parts of the house. There is a mech mancana, which is a room just for male guests. It doesn't connect to the courtyard, so that women do not interact with outside men. Furnishings are generally very simple. One or two rooms serve many uses. They are used as a living room, bedroom, and dining room, depending on the time of day. There are carpets covering the floor, and many pillows line the walls. Mattresses are unfolded at night for sleeping and rolled back up in the morning. In the cities, there are houses built of concrete, some that have very modern architecture, and even some mansions. These mud houses and modern houses often sit side by side. There is a large semi-nomadic and nomadic population. Two types of tents are used by these groups, the Middle Eastern Black Goat's Hair Tent and the Round Central Asian Yurt. Temporary shelter can also be found by erecting reed and straw huts or entering caves. The capital city, Kabul, is situated in the eastern part of the country, 1,791 meters, or 5,876 feet above sea level, in a narrow valley wedged between the Hindu Kush mountains along the Kabul River. Immediately to the south of the old city are the ancient city walls of the Shur Darwazi mountain. A bit to the east is the ancient Bala Hisar fortress, with the Kol-e-Hazmat Khan lake behind it. Its location has been described as a bowl surrounded by mountains. Kabul is roughly equidistant between Istanbul, Turkey, and Hanoi, Vietnam. In Mazar-e-Sharif, you will find a mosque in the center of the city known as the Blue Mosque, or the Shrine of Hazrat Ali. It's an iconic site with its twin blue domes. Pilgrims come to pay respects to Ali, who is said to be buried in another location. The Kabul River flows through the heart of the city, dividing the central bazaars. There are several bridges crossing the river. Since the 21st century, the river tends to be dry most of the year, only filling up in the winter and spring seasons. The Kol-e-Hazmat Khan, a large lake along the wetland, makes up a marsh which provides a critical resting place to thousands of birds who fly between the Indian subcontinent and Siberia. In 2017, the government declared the lake a protected area. Another large lake of interest is Kwarga, located some 9 kilometers northwest from the center. It is a major attraction for locals as well as foreigners. In the winter, many burn low-quality fuels, which create air pollution and is a major problem in the city. Kabul is full of gardens, bazaars, and palaces. By the beginning of the 1970s, Kabul became known for its street sales of hashish and became a major attraction for young Western hippies. 
Kabul has three sports stadiums, two of which are reserved for cricket and one for football or soccer. In 2013, a $1 billion contract was signed with the United States to commence work on the new Kabul city, which is a major residential scheme which would accommodate 1.5 million people. In the meantime, many high-rise buildings are being constructed to control overcrowding and to modernize the city. During the period between the fall of the first Taliban regime and its return in 2021, there was rapid urbanization and many residents found shelter in informal settlements. Mud-brick homes on the mountainsides and steep hills were built in usually poverty-stricken areas, not connected to the water and electricity grid. These settlements are not legal, but tolerated. In 2017, Kabul Municipality started a project to paint the homes in these settlements using bright colors, with the goal of lifting the spirits of the residents. Land rights for Afghan citizens remain insecure. In much of the country, local elites, warlords, and political factions control land and natural resources. According to the Arazi, less than 30% of properties in urban areas and 10% of properties in rural areas have been registered by official institutions of the state. There are many ongoing conflicts over land due to different factors, such as wrongful grabbing of land by the state, conflicts to access over forests for household use, of woodland resources such as pine nuts and firewood, conflicts over grazing rights, violent conflict flowing from poppy cultivation for opium production, conflict related to internally displaced people and refugees who return and made claims to former land ownership, and conflict relating to climate change. Households. The basic household consists of a man, his wife, their sons and spouses with their children, and any unmarried daughters. When he dies, his sons can decide to stay united or divide the family assets. It is not a matter of age that gives the brothers the greater authority. Rather, it is based on such factors as ability, economic skill, and personal prestige. Although being united residentially, the domestic expenses aren't necessarily shared. For inheritance, brothers are equal and can decide to continue living on the property jointly or be compensated financially. Women are not entitled to inherit land, real estate, or livestock. Marriage Marriage is considered very important, and divorce is not very welcomed. Polygamy is permissible, however rare. It is done primarily when a man feels obligated to marry the widow of his dead brother. Many marriages are consummated between cousins. Once there is a contact with an assumed possibility of marriage, the two families negotiate the financial aspects of the union and decide on the bride price and dowry. There is an official engagement where gifts are brought to the home of the bride and sweets are consumed. Marriages are a three-day lavish ceremony paid for by the groom's family during which a marriage contract is signed and the couple is brought together. A lavish procession takes place with the bride being brought to her new home. Child-rearing Babies are bound tightly in wooden cradles or carried by the mother in a shawl. They may be breastfed for more than two years. 
children are cared for by a few different female relatives. When disputes arise among children, they are taught to work it out among themselves. Respect and obedience to elderly persons are important values, but independence and self-confidence are also praised. Boys undergo circumcision at around age seven as an important rite of passage. Boys learn early how to be hospitable to guests as well as looking after the livestock or a shop, while girls begin helping their mothers as soon as they can stand. Etiquette. When younger ones speak to older ones, they use a title rather than a name. A husband will not call his wife by her name, but will call her mother of my son. Family surnames are unusual, but nicknames are very common. Hospitality is highly valued. Visitors are treated with great respect, being offered the finest of items that the household has. When food is served, the host waits until the guests have started eating. As soon as the dishes are cleared, guests ask permission to leave unless they are staying the night. When meeting, after shaking hands, the men will then place their right hands on their heart and nod slightly. This is a way of conveying respect and approval of the other person. Direct physical contact and even eye contact is avoided between women and men. If friends and relatives have not seen each other in a long time, hugs and kisses may ensue. Extended time is taken to greet someone who enters a room and continues after they are seated. Direct questions can be considered rude when entered into the conversation too early. Women are not expected to mix with members of the opposite sex, except through marriage or direct family relations. Women wear modest, non-revealing clothing. Gifts are often exchanged between visitor and host as a means of strengthening the relationship. Education During the last Taliban rule between 1996 and 2001, girls and women were banned from schools and universities. With the Taliban takeover of the government in 2021, many academics fled the country. Along with it came the closure of many schools and the ban of female students to attend school in certain areas. As some schools have reopened, some female students have been returning in the primary grades, but many are still banned from attending in the secondary level. The literacy rate for females is 29.81 and 55.48% for males. Healthcare In September 2021, the World Health Organization issued a statement that the healthcare system in Afghanistan was on the verge of collapse. Hospitals don't have the medicines they need, and patients must bring in their own bedding. There is also no heat in the patients' rooms. Emergency rooms are packed, and with the COVID-19 pandemic, there aren't even enough masks to go around. Funding of these facilities used to come from various non-governmental organizations, USAID, and the World Bank, they have now been cut off. Some emergency funds have since been released directly to NGOs, not to the Taliban authorities. Medical staff aren't getting paid, yet most continue to show up for work, hoping they will eventually start getting paid again. As noted in the current Political Humanitarian Issues section, one of the greatest areas of concern is the lack of adequate food for most of the population. Other health concerns are 
bacterial diarrhea, hepatitis A, typhoid fever, Crimea Congo hemorrhagic fever, and malaria. There are 20% of children under the age of 5 who are underweight. Life expectancy. This is 65.29 years. Citizenship. Citizenship is not granted by birth in the country. It is by descent only. One parent must have been born in and continually live in Afghanistan. Dual citizenship is not recognized. Naturalization can be obtained after five years of residency. Food. Poor nutrition remains a serious concern. The staple of the Afghan diet is nain bread, usually a flat and oblong shape, cooked on an iron plate in the fire or on the inner wall of a clay oven and eaten directly after cooking it. It's common to dip bread in a meat broth. Basic foods consist of a variety of meats, most often mutton, but beef, chicken, and camel are also eaten. Dairy products include butter, cream, dried buttermilk, and yogurt. Vegetables include cucumber, tomatoes, eggplant, peas, spinach, turnip, onions, and zucchini. Dried and fresh fruits are eaten either as a dessert or a snack. Beans are also a common staple, and in some areas, rice is eaten. Some popular dishes, meat pies or sambusa, are triangular-shaped puffed pastries filled with different seasoned ground meats and often peas. These are baked to a flaky and golden brown color. Fatir is a layered pastry with thin layers of dough with various fillings. Minced mutton is popular as a filling base with potatoes and onions often used as well. Kabuli Palau is a rice pilaf with the addition of goat, lamb, or chicken chunks, carrot strips, raisins, and eastern spices. It is traditionally topped with chopped almonds or pistachios. Aish is a thick noodle soup. Scrambled eggs, prepared with tomatoes and onions, is a common meal. Other favorites are kebabs, fried crepes filled with leeks, and ravioli. Yogurt-based sauces are common as an accompaniment to several dishes. The fat from the tail of the sheep is often used in cooking, as are other types of oils. Tea is a favorite Afghan drink and is normally consumed all day. A known custom is to eat sweets and keep them in the mouth while slowly drinking tea. Buttermilk and water are also normal drinks. Food is generally served on a plate placed on the floor, on various fabrics. People sit on the floor often on pillows or other floor coverings. When there are no guests, women and men will eat meals together. Using the right hand while eating is the norm, and food is generally shared from the same dish unless required otherwise. It's normal for dinners to start with a cup of tea and some pistachios or chickpeas as a starter. People eat dinner late into the evening, While eating, you are expected to be sitting in a respectable position, not with your feet facing people or your legs outstretched. Afghans follow the common Islamic food prohibitions. For instance, animals which are used for food must be slaughtered according to Islamic law. Meats not eaten include pork and wild boar. Alcohol is not consumed. 
The Shiites don't eat rabbit and hare. Arts During the first Taliban rule between 1996 and 2001, under Sharia law, dancing and music was not legal. Now, 20 years later, the younger, newer Taliban members are seen dancing and listening to music. How that will influence the arts in the newly overtaken Afghanistan is yet to be seen. Traditionally, Afghans celebrate different occasions with the inclusion of dancing. In traditional Afghan culture, it is considered unacceptable for a woman to perform as a dancer in public, so she could only dance in a private home or in the part of a family celebration with other women. With the influence of neighboring India and before the latest Taliban takeover, there were some women enjoying the art of dance. One, Fahima Mirzai, was the only female whirling dancer in the country. She fled the country as soon as the Taliban began to take over the country in 2021. One man, who chose to remain anonymous, a teacher and choreographer, just a week before the Taliban takeover in 2021, expressed his fears that he would be killed by the Taliban because he was a dancer of hip-hop, a Western culture dance. The country is known for its traditional performance of the Atan dance. The dance dates back nearly 3,000 years and was performed during Zoroastrian religious ceremonies. In a traditional performance, there are 30 to 50 dancers in a circle, performing in the open air, who synchronize their steps to the beat of a special drum, the dole, and to the sound of a pipe. This is usually done by a group of just men. In 2021, Afghanistan applied to UNESCO, seeking to have this dance recognized as intangible cultural heritage. Afghans consider this dance as part of their national identity, unique to Afghanistan. The music of Afghanistan has been influenced by Indian, Iranian, and other Central Asian cultures. Some of the prominent instruments used are the dutar, zurg bagali, the gikchak, which is a fiddle, the bagdakshani, which is a flute, cymbals, a lute-like instrument, a drum, and the human voice. The classical music form of Afghanistan is called classic. Traditional storytelling has a long history in Afghan culture, with women being the creators of most stories and folktales. The first short story in modern literature could be attributed to Mevlevi Mohammed Hussein Punjabi in 1911. By the 19th century, Pashto poetry, which was sung, had been formalized into a classical genre known as Ghazal. In the 20th century, Kabul was the center of literary publication, and Siraj ul Akbar was a leader in developing this modern literary community. The world renowned ancient statues of Buddha in the caves of Bamiyan of central Afghanistan were destroyed in 2001 after the Taliban condemned them as idolatrous. The destruction was denounced worldwide. In the 1930s, the School of Fine Arts was established in Kabul. Traditional Timurid techniques are preserved and are especially known for the design in the exterior walls of mosques or tombs. These consist of turquoise and blue tiles, which are positioned to create geometric patterns. The artistry of Afghan carpets is known around the world. 
transportation. Many of the roadways have been severely damaged due to fighting and disrepair. Camels and donkeys are still common modes of transport for goods and people. The major cities have airports operating at various times. The Kabul and Kandahar airports are international. Afghanistan, however, has limited air service and three registered air carriers. There are 466 kilometers of gas pipelines in the country. There is basically one waterway, the Amu Daryu, which handles vessels for moving goods. Communications Less than 1 in 100 have a fixed telephone line. 63% have mobile cellular subscriptions. Afghanistan has its own space satellite called AfghanSat-1. Since the Taliban takeover in August 2021, independent media outlets have decreased in number and are probably self-censoring criticism of the Taliban. Before August of 2021, the former Afghan government-owned broadcaster, Radio Television Afghanistan, operated a series of radio and television stations in Kabul and the provinces, and the country had an estimated 174 private radio stations and 83 TV stations. Television and radio are key media platforms. Only about a fifth of Afghans use the internet, mostly through smartphones. Broadband fixed subscriptions are only about 1 in 100. Energy According to the World Bank, 98% of the rural population in 2018 had access to electricity. Most of the electricity is imported via transmission lines from Iran and the Central Asian states. What they do produce on their own is via hydropower, helped by the number of rivers and streams that flow from the mountains. They do not produce, export, or import crude oil. They do, however, import refined petroleum products. They produce enough natural gas for their own needs and do not import or export any. They have reserves of natural gas. Celebrations The first day of the Afghanistan New Year, called Nowruz, is celebrated on March 21st. Also known as Farmer's Day, this dates to pre-Islamic times and is celebrated by thousands of travelers from all over the country gathering to the city of Maza-i-Sharif. It lasts two weeks. Sports and Recreation Afghanistan's national game, Buzkashi, consists of two teams who try to secure the headless carcass of a goat and carry it to a goal while riding a horse. At the same time, they are fending off their competitors. It has been played for centuries and is quite physical. Afghans have a tradition of making and proudly flying kites. It is at times a competitive sport, where the competitors use wire or glass in their own kites to sever the strings of the competition kites. Wrestling is a popular sport, as is shooting for game and for sport. Afghans never took to Western-style team sports. Travel Afghanistan has two UNESCO World Heritage Sites, the Minaret and Archaeological Remains of Jam. This is a 65-meter-tall structure with elaborate brickwork encircled with inscriptions of turquoise-blue tilework. 
Cultural Landscape and Archaeological Remains of the Bambian Valley. This was the former location of two standing Buddha statues, destroyed by the Taliban in 2001. It contains numerous caves that housed many monasteries, chapels, and sanctuaries. The country is known for its stunning mosques with a Persian flair. Many have facades covered in blue-tiled mosaics. If visiting, it's best for women to not wear tight-fitting clothing or anything revealing, and headscarves are advisable. The U.S. State Department has issued a travel advisory on August 31, 2021, Level 4. Do not travel to Afghanistan due to civil unrest, armed conflict, crime, terrorism, kidnapping, and COVID-19. Segment 3, Who is? Zablon Simentov. He was born in 1959 and is the last remaining Jew living in Afghanistan. He moved into the synagogue in Kabul during the Civil War, that was between 1992 and 1996, when his house was damaged. This is when almost all the Jews left the country. Over the years, he has been put into detention and beaten several times by the Taliban. He was also strongly urged to convert to Islam, which he says he will never do. Segment 4, Who Would Have Thought? Afghanistan is famous for Afghan rugs, pomegranates, Afghan hound, which was originally bred for speed, agility, and hunting ability. Interesting info. They celebrate Poetry Night on Thursdays in the western city of Herat. People share modern and ancient poetry verses and enjoy some food and tea. The world's first oil paintings can be found in the caves of Bamiyan. These were done in the mid-7th century A.D. There are scenes of Buddhas in vermilion robes sitting cross-legged, surrounded by palm leaves and mythical creatures. Tests show their use of a high diversity of pigments as well as binders. Most shops and businesses are closed on Friday, since that is the holy day for Muslims. Islamic laws govern much of the country's legal, political, economic, and personal lives. Fasting and praying during the month of Ramadan is mandatory for mostly everyone except foreigners, people who are sick, or ones who may be traveling. Unexploded landmines are a constant concern, especially for children and herd animals. The country is rich in lapis lazuli, a vibrant blue stone which was used to decorate the tomb of the Egyptian King Tutankhamun. Many empires and nations have tried to conquer Afghanistan, but even if it had some small successes, Afghanistan doesn't get overtaken. It has resisted foreign occupation during the 19th and 20th centuries and is a notoriously difficult country to govern. For this reason, Afghanistan has been called the Graveyard of Empires. A study was done to determine the risk for U.S. military members in Afghanistan caused by macaca mulata or rhesus monkey bites. The records reviewed covered just four months, between September to December 2011. Among the 126 animal bites and exposures, 10 were monkey bites. All cases involved different monkeys, eight of which were kept as pets by the Afghan National Security Forces, 
Afghan civilians, and one belonged to a U.S. military member. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Afghanistan in my Nations of the World podcast series. Next time we'll learn about a country which has emerged from a communist state in 1991, completely isolated with no allies but China, to a parliamentary republic with several trading partners and currently pursuing a path of greater Euro-Atlantic integration. It is also becoming a desirable tourist location due to its pristine Mediterranean landscape. Learn about the many superstitious beliefs it traditionally holds. Also learn why half of all from this ethnic group live outside of their country. Please be sure to subscribe to Nations of the World podcast series so you won't miss my next episode, Albania. I'm excited to share that in under seven months, I have thousands of listeners from all over the world in 78 different countries. If you are enjoying the series, please consider leaving a review for Nations of the World podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also help to support my work by making a small contribution on Patreon. You can find me there at patreon.com slash nations of the world. With your review on Apple Podcasts, I will give you a shout out in my next episode. If you contribute on Patreon at the first level, you will get a shout out in my next episode and you will have the chance to submit a question you'd like to have answered in one of my upcoming podcasts. This can be a question about how I plan or produce my show, or it can be a question to be answered in one of my upcoming episodes about a particular country. If you contribute on Patreon at the second level, you'll receive the shout-out and question submittal, along with free access to all the episodes electronically in ebook format. These ebooks range in size from about 10,000 to 25,000 words each. Thank you again for listening to my podcasts. Without your interest in the show, I would have no reason to continue producing more episodes. I have many exciting ideas on how to expand the show, which I can't wait to get to in the future. I also look forward to hearing from and interacting with my listeners to get some input, advice, and ideas on how to improve the show. Gaining knowledge about other people and their culture is often the best way to understanding who they are and why they do things a certain way. This in turn can make us less fearful of differences and hopefully more accepting. Let's face it, we're all human and we all share the same world.